a lot of Q&A, so if you want to come close to the front, that would be great if you want to get in the conversation, all right? So just come on up close. We have these mics set up. We'll start here in, in just a few seconds. They're going to get the room ready. Enough of preaching. Let's get down to some systems, right? <laughs> come on in, everybody. I love it. So you get all the flavors, everyone. All right, all the flavors. It Was lunch okay, everybody? Yeah? Everybody got it? Good. And um, again, if you want to come on up closer, ignore the reserve seats. These, that's just for the evening session. Just sit in whatever, wherever you want to sit. Come up as close as you want. Um, and, and I want you to start thinking about the questions you're going to ask. And, um, and I'll, be, I'll do the very best I can to answer those All right, for you. And we're just going to get down to, to uh, getting the weeds of making church work. All right, our, our promise for you in this session was to give you um, kind of eight keys to growth. And let me tell you, let me just give you a little bit. I'm only going to talk for like five or ten minutes here. And then we're going to, the rest of it's your, your, your session, all right? But uh, I'll give you the kind of the, 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 the origin of that. I was actually uh, in 2011, was in, we were in 21 days of prayer. We do, we do this two, twice a year, this prayer focus, 21 days of prayer focus. And I'm just, I was actually pacing right here in front of this stage, six o'clock in the morning. We had a bunch of people in the room here just seeking God. And I heard God tell me to help churches, um, to help churches. In fact, here's how, exactly how I heard it. Help a thousand churches under a thousand break a thousand. Um, and not that that's a magical number or an all important number. It's just a way for the Lord to kind of motivate me a little bit, and, and, and for the past seven years, um, we have done everything we can to come alongside of churches, and here's how we say it now, for every church to, to reach their full potential, whatever that potential is, uh, your growth potential, to, to fulfill the vision you have. And so my contribution to the body of Christ, some preach, some inspire, you know, people do a lot of different things. God is the head of the church, and he's got it all together just right. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? But my thing I love more than anything else in the world, um, honestly, even more than reaching lost people, more than, more, than, more than helping the hurting, all that needs to get done, and we do it. I love leaders. I love coming alongside of leaders. In fact, I think whenever I help you, I'll help more lost people and more hurting than I ever could on my own because all you guys are going to do it too. And so it's just what I love to do. And I want to just throw this out there to you. If there's ever anything that I can do to serve you uh, in, our, in our, the ministry that I've created called Grow, and if you're interested in getting our resources, um, you can go to growleader.com, growleader.com. And what growleader.com consists of is two things. Uh, one is we, just, we, we have training events, okay? Now, we are not a relational network. We don't intend to get close to you. Know you, nothing like, that's not the, ARC does that. Now, so ARC is the, our relational network. We want to be close to you in the, under that covering. But, but GROW is just a set of resources. It is a, it's just, a, it's a, it's training and resources, training and resources. And so we do an annual event um, that I'm sorry to announce to you that we open registration eight months in advance and every year it fills up in less than half of a day. And so we opened registration in November for a July event, and it was full in four hours. And so, um, so our, we call it the Grow Intensive. It's the two and a half days to tell you everything we know about church, all right? That, it's, it's just gotten very popular, and it fills up. So what we do, we're doing now, because the demand is higher than what the supply is right now, is that we do Grow One Days. So we condense all of that information into one day, and we do it in regional places, so if you'll go on that website and look for the Grow Regionals, we're going to be in places like Orlando this year. We're going to be in Denver this year. We're going to be in Houston this year. And so there's some places around the nation that if you want to get a little bit more condensed version of that, um, we can get that information to you. All right? And then on the Grow website, listen to me very carefully, everything we use at this church has been uploaded to this share site on that website. So if we have a form we use in our office, it's on that site. Like everything we know about church, if it's in print, our small group training, uh, our growth track materials, everything we do, we've uploaded it for free download. You can have this material 
It's just there for the taking. Again, let me emphasize, you can't join Grow. That's not, it's, not a, it's not a network of churches. ARC is our network. ARC is our family. I would encourage you to jump into ARC if you're looking for, for relationships and you want to plant churches together. But you go to grow, growleader.com for all these resources and for these training uh, events. When we do it, basically, I take two and a half days to teach this vision. I want you to hear it. I believe I can show this, and I showed this in the first session of ARC. I show in the very first session that God has always wanted four things for people. It has never changed. I can show you from Exodus to Colossians, about 12 places in the Bible, all throughout the Bible. And from Exodus to the, to, to the prophets, I can show you several places in the book of Acts, all the way through the New Testament, that God has always wanted four things for people. He's always wanted lost people to get saved, saved people to get pastored, pastored people to be trained or discipled, discipled people to be sent and mobilized. That's, that's always been God's, say it how you want to say it. God has always wanted those four things, lost people to get saved. That, it's called the Great Commission, but the Great Commission's in the Old Testament too. God's always wanted this. He's wanted lost people to get saved, save people to get pastored, because they, when they get saved, their sins are forgiven, but they ain't sanctified yet. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They still got issues, right? So you got to help them through, you got to pastor them, help them through their problems and things. And then there's a discipleship component, a training component, and then there's a sending component. So here at our church, we've come up with language to describe that. You've probably seen it out in the four years. We want people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference. I'm actually writing a book on this right now because I believe, I believe every, I think every human being on the planet has a spiritual next step. Every single one. Lost people have a spiritual next step. People who have been saved for 30 years have a next step. Everybody has a next step. Everybody. And the best gift you give, I think I give people, is clarity to know where they are and what their next step is. So everybody, should, are y'all getting this, everybody? This is good. Like, finish your lunch soon and write this stuff down. It'll help you, all right? Because we won't be able to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. So what we do at Grow is, is we, we teach you the systems that delivers that vision. If you want to, people call me the systems guy. That's said all the time. The truth is, everybody's a systems person. Everybody's doing something to accomplish the vision, I think they call, they, they call me one because our systems are working, but everybody has them, right? Because you're trying to do something to deliver something. The question is, is it working or not? All right, because a system is just the, the things you put in place to accomplish a vision. So what are the systems of know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference? Well, primarily our know God system is, is church, weekend services we call it. And, and so I don't live for church services. I live for people getting saved. I use church services to pe- for people to get saved. You're all hearing that, everybody? Listen to me very carefully. Don't fall in love with your systems. Stay in love with your vision. Because too many churches are protecting their systems at the expense of their vision. That's really true. All right? So because they love their systems more than the vision. They like, how, they like how they do church more than people getting saved. So they won't change how they do church. Don't be in love with your systems. Be in love with your vision. We want people to, come on, say amen right there. That was, that was a little preach right there. I just felt it on me. I felt about like two goosebumps on the back of my neck right there, right? So our, our system for no God is, is church services. Our system for people finding freedom is small groups. So we actually have more people in groups than we have in church on a Sunday. Um, we have a lot of people in groups. Everybody's in a group. We, just, and we like teaching, that, teaching groups. But I'm not in love with small groups. I'm in love with people finding freedom. I use small groups to accomplish that end. Uh, our system for people uh, discovering their purpose is a four-Sunday growth track, we call it. And we give this away. But it's four, it takes me four Sundays to help a person discover why they're on this planet. And we'll give, you that, we'll give that away, use it, change it, perfect it, whatever you want to do. We don't, we don't care. Just, just help people discover their purpose. They need to discover their purpose. So that they can go make a difference. Our make a difference system is called the dream team. There's a thousand of them people serving you this week at, these, at this conference. And this, we, have, we have more than 20,000 people that, that, are in, that are in active volunteer leadership in our church. And that's our dream team. Why? Because we help them know God, find freedom, discover purpose so they can make a difference. This is the vision. This is God's vision. I will plead this case to the day I die that this is what God has always wanted in people's lives. So what we teach now in, in this grow, what, what grow is, is facilitating 
those things, to teach you how to have weekend services that lost people like to attend. You need to be taught how to do that, right? We, with small groups that actually work, <laughs> that everybody will actually attend, how to create some kind of process for people to discover their purpose. If you have a good one, use it. People always ask me, what's the right way? The one that works. And if it doesn't work, that's the wrong way. Come on, somebody. That's just, I know I'm from Louisiana, but I'm trying to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. All right, so everybody can have one, all right? All right? And, and, then, and then we teach you how to, how to create a volunteer army so you don't have to hire, hire people for everything you need. You shouldn't be doing that. Don't, don't hire people to do jobs. Hire people to lead teams. It's very important. So I want to give you eight things. I promised eight things. I'm going to give them to you really fast. And then after I give these to you, we're going to open it up for Q&A because I don't know what part of this you understand or don't understand. So if, you're, if you like taking notes, remember I love lists. Well, here you go. There's eight of them real fast. All right. So if you're going to do what I just described to you, I think you need to do eight things. So if you're going to do what I just described to you, I think you, if you're going to reach your full growth potential and you're going to accomplish the Great Commission, I think you have to do eight things. Number one, you have to go home and have clarity of vision. And a vision's not clear until you ask everybody, what is the vision? And they all say the same thing. That's how you measure it. So you say, well, it's clear. No, it's not. I've never met a church yet. I consult a ton, of, a ton of churches. I tell pastors, don't invite me to speak. Bring me in on a Tuesday. Let me meet with your team. I can help you way more on a Tuesday than I can on a Sunday. I don't mind preaching, but promise you. I, and the first thing I do is say, we're not leaving the room till we all have clear vision, what the touchdown line is, and then we're going to pick language to describe it. At Highlands, ours is, we want people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. That's our touchdown line. We're measuring it. It's clear. Go ask anybody that's volunteering, and they will say those four things, because we make it extremely clear. You have to have clear vision. I, I, when I go and consult, the lead staff don't give me the same answers. I'll say, I'll have, everybody write down what you think the vision is. Everybody write down what you think you're measuring here. Everybody write down what you think the touchdown line is at this church. And there's, I've, I haven't been to a place yet that doesn't, where everybody doesn't write down wonderful things that are all different from the person sitting next to them. It's happened. So I think this is, I, this is so, don't even go to the next seven if you don't have this, all right? Then once you do that, you have to create solid structures that are, that are gonna set the whole thing up. So what I mean by structures you know, praise God, for, praise God for the anointing and church and preaching and all that. But if you don't handle money well, it doesn't matter how good you could preach. It's going down, doobie-doo, down, down, all right? Seriously, you have to create solid structures, primarily in two places, financial structures, leadership structures. If your government is bad, again, it doesn't matter how good your vision is, that government can pull your church down. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. So we spend a lot, of time helping, a lot of time helping people do financial structures and leadership structures. The third thing is, is you create systems that's going to deliver the vision. And the systems don't always stay where you, they, they, they won't always work the same way. So systems are, the vision's not movable. The systems are. The vision's holy. The systems are not holy. So we're always putting on the table are our small groups working like we want them to? And if they're not, we change some things. We cha we've changed six or seven times. Keep tweaking the engine until we create a system that's delivering the vision, right? You want to just keep working on systems that deliver the vision. Again, our systems are weekend services, small groups, grow track, and a dream team for those four things. But, but we're constantly uh, doing everything we can to improve those systems to deliver what our vision actually is. And I'm begging you, don't defend something that's not working. Stop saying you like the way you do church if nobody's getting saved, all right? I'm just saying, change. Be willing to change the system. Don't change the vision. The fourth thing that we do is we continually measure our health. And numbers do matter because we don't worship numbers. We, sh we don't boast about numbers. We don't, we don't stick our chest out about numbers, but numbers are indicators of health. If you passed out right now on the floor, we have first responders in this room right now. You don't know who they are, but they're sitting in here. They're on our volunteer team. If you pass out right now, they're going to rush to your side and they're going to get numbers. They're going to check your temperature, your heart rate, your blood pressure. That's and all that's going to tell them how healthy you are. 
We don't worship the blood pressure machine. We want you alive. But we need the blood pressure machine to keep you alive. You've got to get in the habit of creating some things that are going to measure health. You've got to collect data. You've got to analyze data. You've got to know, how in the world do you know how many children's church rooms to have if you don't know how many children you have? It's just you have to know. You have to know. Know well the condition of your flocks. Give full attention to your herds, the proverb says. You've got to know this stuff. This is important. Happy to talk about it if you'd like to. Number five is huge. Everybody write this one down. And that is you have to focus on culture because culture will trump everything else. Let me say it this way. If you do everything that I'm telling you exactly right and there's no life in the church, it'll fail. That's just like throwing seed, wonderful, beautiful, fertile seed on this stage. You can come back a year from now and that, st- that seed will still be sitting right here. Now you've got to go put it in an environment of what we call a life-giving church. And we teach, we take an entire almost an hour and a half teaching culture to pastors and leaders because you have to have an environment of life in order for things to grow. Culture trumps everything, how it feels, the life of it, generosity, passion, empowering environments. You get the idea? You you can't ignore this. You can almost get more done doing the wrong thing in a great culture than doing the right thing in a bad culture. I'm just telling you. It's like put a star next to it. Put an exclamation at the end of it. It's a big deal. It's, and one of the reasons why we want people to physically come to ARC and to come experience this is to experience not just the, the sessions, but the culture. Amen, everybody? You getting that? It's very important. I can't em- emphasize this enough. Number six is you've got to empower leaders. You can't build a ministry around you and your personality. You've got to create a, an, an environment where people love serving with you, and that's because you've empowered them, empowered especially young leaders. We, we work intentionally to keep the stage young. We work intentionally to release people to do great things for God and put, let the light shine on the people of God, knowing that everything God ever wanted me to do, every, that he would send it in the form of people, everybody. And and I didn't need to go recruit anyone. I needed to discover what God was already doing on the inside of them. In fact, stop recruiting, start discovering. Everything you need is in your house, everybody. I'm telling you, it's right there. Number seven, we always identify what's most important right now, and this one moves all the time. So we always identify what's most important right now. So not everything is most important right now. My favorite question in the world to ask myself, ask my marriage, Ask my family, ask my church, is this question. It's my favorite question. Get ready to write it down. It's the best question ever, all right? It'll produce more positive fruit in your life than just about any other question. And here's the question. Ready for it? What one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in your life? Just what one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in your life? And if you can answer that question... And answer that question for your church. So I gather my staff twice a year. We say, what one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in our church? And so we, t- we, we, we don't leave the room until we decide what that one thing is. So there's a lot of things that can get better, but check it out. Your church and your life is like a wooden bucket. No, just let my fingers be the bucket. You ready for it? So it's like a bucket. So if all the slats of the wooden bucket are the same height, but one of them is real low, it doesn't matter how high the other ones are. The water is running out at the level of the lowest slat. When you identify the lowest slat and raise it, it raises the level of the whole bucket. There are things in your church, one thing, that if it got better would make the biggest difference in your church. There's one thing in your personal life. You know what it is. You're probably thinking of it right now. I know mine. If that one area got better, my whole life's better. So work on that one thing, just this one thing I do, Paul said. I'm just, I can't do 50 things. Can't go home with 50 things to do. No, 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 find that one thing. Come on, y'all get, did I say it enough? Did y'all catch it? All right, it's a great question. By the way, I dare you to ask it of your family and your marriage. Just look her in the eye and say, baby, what one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in our marriage? And then get ready for the answer and then work on it, all right? And then get counseling. No, I'm just kidding, all right, so... And then the last thing, and I cannot emphasize this enough, one of the things that people do not know about us probably, I think there's two or three things that people have no clue about us. They, they think they know why it works, but, but they really don't know why it works. 
They know a lot of things, but they don't know all the things. And this is one of the things that people don't know. And it's, and, um, and this, this is not cliche. I'm not throwing it on the end just to sound spiritual. Like this, I, I cannot emphasize this enough. And that is that we win the war in the spiritual. So whatever your problem is, it's more spiritual than you're probably giving it credit for. So are you one of those demons, demon under every rock? No, but there is a demon under every other rock. <laughs> All right, so there's a lot more demons out there than you realize what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying blame everything on the devil. I ran out of gas. There's a Chevron demon. No, it's not that, right? <laughs> That's not how that works. But look in my eyes and hear this. Whatever you're facing right now, that's the most difficult thing you're facing. It's more spiritual than you realize. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And so I would love to stir inside of you a radical prayer movement in your church. I, I personally wave the banner of prayer in our church. We do not have a prayer leader. I personally carry the banner of, of the holy things, the worship, word, and prayer. There's three angels named in Scripture. And I think it's the three main things that we as ministers are, 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 are supposed to carry. You have Lucifer's a named angel, worship. You have Gabriel, who's always delivering a message, the word. And then you have Michael, the archangel. You always see him in warfare and prayer. Worship, the word, and prayer. Don't delegate those. So carry that on your own shoulders. You can delegate children's ministry. You cannot delegate worship. You have to personally carry that, Pastor. I'm telling you. And I, 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 and I, take, I take personal responsibility for it. And so we lead our church twice a year into 21 days of prayer and fasting and seeking God, and we take it extremely seriously. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. It's a really, really big deal here to win the war in the spiritual and to build a, a radical movement around seeking God in the presence of God being kind of here. Good. Amen. Somebody. All right. So I'm now I am going to open up the floor. Here's how we're going to work this. You're going to come just make a line under both of these microphones. Right. And let's get into the weeds of making any of those work. And if nobody comes up to the microphone, you get a very long break before your next app. All right. We'll all, we'll all go take a break. So if you want to talk, cause I want to make this your session. I don't have time to teach. This, this whole thing takes me about a little over an hour to teach if I get into all the weeds of it without asking you questions. So I'm gonna let you determine where we go with all this. So if you wanna ask it, do me a favor, just come make a line. And when, when I see it gone, I'll, I'm gonna close this in, in prayer. But let's talk, let's make this work in your churches. Tell us your name, where you're from, and then your question. We'll start right over here with you. Okay. You guys have that on for us, guys in the back? Yes. Right. Can you, you hear go. me? All right. Thank you, Pastor. Hi. I'm Jillian from Story Church in Durham, Jillian? North Carolina. Yes, Jillian. Okay. From Story Church in Durham, North Carolina. And my question was, in particular, with your growth track, your four Sunday growth yes. track. We had tr attempted something very similar, but because we were such a small church, we wouldn't have people show up, you know, each week as we had such small attendance. So how do you scale or is it just the way? Great question. Very good question, Julie. Stay there in case you have a follow-up, please. Um, so let me, so in our first year, I actually taught the growth track to everybody because we were really small too. We started with 34 people 17 years ago right. and we were in living rooms. My growth track was in a living room for four years. So I didn't, cause I didn't, we didn't have an office building or anything. So we, I just, we just started doing it that kind of a way. And so the first year, I just decided they weren't going to get the choice of whether to be in the growth track or not. I just, I put it into all my sermon content. So I actually trained everybody. So the first year, people got kind of got grandfathered into the process. Now, we grew to about 600 after our first 15 months. So, and we kind of plateaued there for a while, and then we had another spike. So, we, so the first, just to put your scale question, so the first 500... I just decided it was important enough that everybody needed to have it. So I was teaching spiritual gifts and I was teaching freedom and I was teaching every part really of the whole, all for the process. They had to understand salvation, they understand freedom, they had to understand how to discover their unique purpose and gift and then how to be on teams and serve. So I was just, that's how I did that first one. The second one was, I was convinced that regardless if it was even only one or two or three people, that, that we were going to do it regularly, no matter what, no matter how many came and just set a process because I, I believe one of the best ways to make something easy for people to do is that it becomes predictable. Right. So every time you change it and say, okay, this month, this is on this date, but next month it's on this. 
then people can't remember it. But if step one's on the first Sunday, step two's on the second Sunday, step three's on the fourth Sunday, step four's on the fourth, and then next month, step one's on the first Sunday, and on Super Bowl Sunday, I was doing our membership class. I was doing the step one of the process. I mean, and I was there, and I was shocked at how many people actually came. On, you know, so we just decided we would, no matter how many came, we were just going to keep um, we were going to keep doing this process so we could create some predictability and some routine so even new people understood what we were doing. Nobody, they didn't have to figure it out. Because every time you put together a, 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 an event or a process that you want people to know, you have to think about three, three criteria, all right? The first is, you have to ask yourself the question, it, did we make it easy? So did we do it at a time where people could actually do it? At a church... And they said, we did your growth track and nobody came. I said, well, when'd you do it? They said, Saturday morning at 10. We're like, I ain't coming either. You know, that's not easy. First of all, they're coming again tomorrow. Why couldn't they come to church and do it right after the last service? Why, could, why couldn't you do it while they were already there? Oh, we didn't think about that. See, so they didn't pass the easy test. Well, did it have childcare? Well, no. Well, then that's not easy because they have kids. But you want people who have kids to join your church too, right? So... So, so you have to answer the easy question, the obvious question. Do we make it obvious? Does everybody know about it? Does everybody know about it? Do they, do they, know, do they know when you do that? And, so, and, and again, that's that repeatable thing. And then third is, is it strategic? Did it work? Is it working? So you have to measure that to find out. Did I answer your question? Yes, thank you. You're very welcome. On this side, yes, sir. Yeah, Alex McCormick from Impact Church, Burlington, New Jersey. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. Um, so my question is about culture. Yes, sir. Um, so how do you communicate and yeah. infuse culture into a team that necessarily wasn't, we didn't communicate it uh, correctly in the beginning? Great question. All right, so everybody write this. Stay right there so we have, in case you have a follow-up. Everybody write this down. You can't create a culture. You can only be one. So you can't want something you're not. So you can't tell people to pray. You've got to pray and show them how to pray. So let me, let me give you the best. This is, going, this is going to help so many of y'all. You ready for this? Don't even tell your church to invite friends. Tell them the story of the last friend you invited, and they'll want to do it. I'm telling you. So I don't even do it. I don't even say, y'all need to, invite, you, y'all need to bring more people. I say, hey, guys, uh, let me tell you about a guy coming next week to church. And I'll tell the story of people I'm, I'm witnessing to, and I'm creating a culture of, look how fun this is. See, in everything, that's why I don't be in the green room during praise and worship. Be on the front row showing them how to worship. You, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't create a culture. You can only be one. So, so start there. And then just think of the values that actually matter to you. Like laughter is a value for me. Food is a, is a value. I, like I have a spiritual gift of eating, and we're going to do a lot of it. Come on, somebody, right? And so you got to think about the things that really are important to you, like the environments that you're attracted to. I think generosity is attractive. I think, I think if I was started throwing stuff into the crowd, like, who wants one? And you go, ah, and you don't even know what it is, and you want it, because it's just fun. You ever been to a ball game, and they're throwing stuff, and you're like, ah, you don't even know what it is. It's a T-shirt you ain't even going to wear. You're going to wash your car with it, you know, but you still want it. You'll, you'll dive over people and break people's necks to get it, you know, it's, why? Because that's fun. It's, it's the culture of life, and they found out, researchers have actually found out that uh, among people who are, who are seeking God, that the most quote-unquote inspirational church service in the world, like when, when the word inspiration was to be defined, more than 80% defined it with this one word, fun. Like when they left, you want them leaving going, is it over already? Not thank God it's over already. Like you have to create some life in the room. We try to do it at ARC. We try to do it in, in the environments we create here at the church. And, and that, those are the keys to culture. You got it? Yes, sir, my friend. All right, on this side. Um, my name is David Suarez. I'm from C3 Church in North Carolina. Welcome. Um, in a, in, with such a changing generation, you know, with millennials and now Generation Z, um, what are your thoughts on engaging them and on getting to know them to feel the fun? Because now that I'm not part of that generation, they, I may see some things as fun or as engaging, but they don't. So what? Yeah, so my thoughts on millennials, first of all, I think they get a bad rap. Honestly, I am finding them the most engaged generation. Now, there's a whole group of them that are horribly wounded because of their family issues, but don't change too much toward them because we don't need the world to go toward them. They need to come toward 
what God has for their lives. So be careful in being relevant that you're not letting them define what life is going to look like. Yeah. But, but I think we're engaging to millennials by the fact that I listen to them. So I am, like we did with the racial issue, just it, the fact that you open your ears to the conversation is really, they just need to be, be shown some respect. So I don't really try to dress like them. I don't try to act like them. In fact, I have found that they've really want, they want some fathers and some mentoring, and they're looking for somebody to actually set an example for them. In fact, they ain't actually even being, uh, they love being called to a standard. Like, tell me how to, li- tell me to get up in the morning. Like, they, they actually enjoy that. So don't be afraid. You can still be relevant um, with, with, without that. And so, um, so but I think the, the, the number one thing that, that, that gets their attention is, is that they're being listened to and they're being used. And so we have a culture here where we ask people who have been in spots and are getting older to move from your spot, go to do another role in our church that requires more maturity. So get off the camera maybe and get lead a small group now that you've been around here 10 years and let a younger person have that spot. And we have a, we have a kind of a move over and let the next generation in uh, kind of a culture here. And so that's what uh, I'm, we're finding that that has engaged them very, very well. Got it? Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yuri Maiba from uh, Impulse Church, Santa Rosa Beach, tell me, Florida. Tell me your first name again. Yuri. Yuri, okay. Uh, so my question is, do you create all the systems or you, or, or you identify a need and then you let your team yeah, create a system? Absolutely, I don't create all the systems. So um, my, I think I do believe that it's primarily my role to be the vision carrier. So this is what we're going to do. But actually, to the contrary, I go into every meeting. I think I always think I know the answers to everything that I'm going to ask, but I still ask the questions. Because my mind works that way. I, when I have a problem, I already think I know the answer. But I've disciplined myself to go in rooms and say, here's what I want. Tell me how we can get there. And then just listen. I, I call it lead with questions. Never lead with statements. Lead people Because your team doesn't want to serve that person. They don't want to just take orders and then leave the meeting. They want to be heard. And so I, I go into the room. I say, here's what I want to accomplish. Tell me how we're going to get there. And honestly, the team has come up with all the great systems that we use here. Um, I set the vision, so I, I determine where we're going, they determine how we're going to get there. And so, and that, it's a great way to lead. Yes, sir. Hi, Pastor Chris. My name's JJ and uh, Pastor Church in Orlando, Journey Church. Welcome, JJ. Thank you. Uh, my question is on building teams. Uh-huh. And so I heard um, up until a couple years ago, like you were leading like a direct report, like 13 direct reports. There's you. 11. 11 direct reports. I'm sorry, reports. there's, yes, well, there, there's... There's 11 in my meeting, so there's 10 that report directly. But in the early church, we're just 18 months old, and so yep. in the early church days... I'm oh, in the early church days, I, it got up to 30 before we, we d- branched out. Yeah, so that's my... So I definitely don't have that capacity, but that's amazing, yeah. 30. I, how, how, I guess my question is, with everything else on a... On but I'm a better between Sundays than I am on Sunday. Yeah. And not everybody is. Right. That's okay. Everybody needs to step into the role where you... If you're, if you're better on Sunday than between Sundays, man, you need to have that kind of that executive pastor model. But if you're a good leader, I mean, and I'm, I'm going to say, I mean, in, a, in an office sense, in, a, in, a, in that kind of a leader, because a, a Sunday guy can be a good leader too, but, if, but, if, but I think I'm good, I think I'm better in the office than I am on the stage. And so, um, so the, I think you build an executive team. You have a team model versus a person model, because either way, they're going to have the next, the next level, right? Yeah, so play to my strengths and uh, kind of bring those people who are great at building teams on around me. Absolutely. But you still have to relate to someone's going to need to answer to you that they need to catch, catch your heart and your values. And don't take your hands off of it too much where you don't know what's going on in your own church. Yeah. Okay, that's the only thing. And so because you, pre- you won't be able to preach what, what they care about that's trying to make your vision happen. Yeah. So you won't talk about groups because you don't, you're not thinking about groups. You're thinking about only your message. So you need to know enough about where things need to be built so you can, I call it, preach, preach the announcements. And you got to preach the announcements. You go listen to my messages. Groups come up in every message and growth track comes up in every message. Why? Because I don't want them just to be inspired. I want them to take steps. So they got to hear it from the person that they're looking to for leadership. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Hi, Pastor Chris. My Hello. name is Jumaine Jones. I'm the lead pastor of The Bridge in Silver Spring, Maryland. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. And uh, I have a question in regards to the vision statement. Um, 
Is there a place in the church or the organization for other quote-unquote vision statements? So, for example, uh, do you have a vision statement that may say, we want to start 10 new campuses in 10 years, that sort of thing? So how do you work with, with, with that tension? In regard yeah, to so we would more call those goals of the vision, not the vision itself. So I, I don't want to even limit God by saying we're going to start 10 when he may want us to have 20. You know what I'm saying? So it's okay to set goals. We, we, we set goals for how to reach people and help people find freedom. And, and so we have goals for campuses, goals for groups, goals for people going through the growth track, goals for people on the dream team. You know, but I, but I, think, I think a vision inspires and then a systems and goals that they're the ones that are giving legs to it in that kind of a way. So absolutely. I've been real careful over the years, though. I've never stated to my church a numeric goal ever. So I've never said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start this many whatever. I've tried to keep it in a more broad sense because God has always surprised me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my dream was to pastor a church of 25,000 people. Mm-hmm. That was my biggest dream. We have that many people on the dream team now. So, I mean, I would, so I would have surprised. I would, it would have been... I would have totally messed that up. You know what I'm saying? So I, if I'd have stated that, that's what we want to do. So I, I don't do that much early. And I'm okay with it not being that. I'm okay with being the other way. I don't want to get driven by, I'm not actually a driven person at all. Um, I, don't, I don't think about how much bigger or better, bigger it can be. I just think about how much better it can be, knowing if it gets better, it'll get bigger. And then if I'll stay true, the, you know, the call of God on my own life. So I think those are really good. Be, I think you be careful about sharing those, um, because you can even, you know, we're humans and it, and if it was eight and not 10, it'll be out there kind of that we never reached our goal. You know what I'm saying? And so just kind of be careful you know, so I would, I would have a tendency to say more of a, man, we, we want to start as many locations as God will give us. I think, I think we might see this many this year, but you know, let's just see what the Lord's going to do. That would be more my style in doing something like that. And, uh, so yes, sir. I'm glad you're here, my friend. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hi, my name is Travis. I'm from Richmond. Um, my, my question for you is, I know step three is the process where you discover uh, people and they discover their gifts and obviously the leadership and things like that. Like, what is your formula once somebody gets on your dream team to take them to the next step of leadership, maybe a team leader? Do you have like a, is it a performance space? Is it a time base? It's a good question. Like, what is it's your a, leadership pipeline and how do you run people through there. Yeah. So what happens in our, in our world is we try to get people on teams as fast as we can, but also as, as thorough as we can in in as as short amount of time as we can, because I think that's how Jesus did it. So Jesus brought them on his team and even put them in the ministry real fast. And they, they kind of blew it a little bit, you know, and then he was discipling them while they were doing the process. My fear is we're letting them get, we wait till they get to a certain level of education before we let them do anything. And I don't think you can disciple them unless you let them start doing some stuff. Like you got to put them out there like, oh, that's what you don't know how to do. Well, come over here. Let me talk to you. Right. And that was Jesus's model. Remember, they couldn't cast the devil out of that guy. Man, Jesus, everything else works, but we can't get the devil out of the sky. Oh, I forgot to tell you, that comes out by prayer and fasting. So he was discipling them along the way, right? He was giving them, and, and that's our model. So we get people on the dream team immediately. If they'll join the church, okay, agree to our, our statement of faith, sign a leadership honor code, okay, and meet with a team member to really make sure they didn't lie about all those first three things. That's our process. So we... They go through the training, right? And they sign a couple forms and they meet with somebody. And if they pass that, they, we, we put them on teams. And then while we're, they're on those teams, we find out, oh, you've got, we need to get to work on here. And we're just, our team leaders are discipling them in that process. So we're, we don't really, because I think a serial killer could pass our classes. So I think if you're just going to do it class-based, go learn this, go watch these eight whatevers. You could be a serial killer and watch eight classes, but it's different whenever you're personally discipling somebody. So every coach, every leader in our system, so people get on our worship teams, right? And then, and then we're discipling those people on those teams. Is that making sense to you? Do you Absolutely. have a follow-up for that? Yeah, my follow-up is, you know, once you're, if, what, are, what is those coaches and leaders looking for in people to bring them to a coach level? Uh, what are some of the things they're seeing there in the discipleship process, things like that? What are some of the things that those people are looking for? to bring? It's not genius. Uh, and, and I say that to say it's so doable because we're not, there's not this massive standard. Sure. It's just we're looking for the, just the basic things like humility 
and, and teachability and not, not perfection, but we're looking for people who have a sincere passion for God and, and that have a good attitude and really love people. I mean, there, you know, our four values for our team is we want to see you in love with Jesus. You're pursuing a, a real walk with God and you're developing that walk. You're, you're calling your character and, and all those things, you know, that, 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 that's going on on the inside of you. All right. And then, and then we want you to work how you work with people. We want to see you grow. We want to see you grow and, and we call it pursue excellence. You never get to excellence. You can only pursue it. And then we look for attitude. Attitude is the X factor. <laughs> I can do more with somebody who knows nothing, who has a great attitude, than somebody who knows everything and has a bad one. That's good. That's just the facts. Yeah. Thank and you. I put people on my team in places that where they had, I can teach you of that. I cannot teach your attitude. You're going to have to choose that one. Yeah. I can teach you the Bible, but I can't teach you attitude. You've got to pick that. Yeah. And so it's, that's, those are the things that right. we're looking for. Thank you. Yes, sir. My name's Donnie Martin. I'm from Antioch Community Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Come on, go uh, Tigers. Amen. Can I get a big amen <laughs> on that one? You won't get many, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> Can you coach us a little bit on just time management, your time management, like pre-having a church of a thousand, then to yeah. go beyond that? So as, I, as, I, as it changed as the church grew. Yes, sir. So in the first years, I did not... Tra- I said the first years, the first 10 years, I didn't travel hardly at all. Um, I'm kind of a homebody anyway. I'd be happy never to get on another airplane the rest of my life, okay? So I'll be very clear about that. But I don't have a grace for it. I do it, but I, it's, it's, it's not fun for me. So I enjoyed being here. But we, in the first 10 years, you know, I was really building the church, and I was taking it personal. So I was bringing people to church, inviting people to church. I had small groups with lost people in it, you know, so I... I was, I was teaching um, business leaders at the downtown library, um, John Maxwell leadership lessons, and just, just trying to get into the community everywhere I could. Um, I intentionally didn't ever had, I never had an office for the first six years of this church, because I like an office, I would sit in it. And so I knew I needed to be in coffee shops and restaurants and in these meetings. And so, so I saved a lot of my time to do that. I, I, I used a lot of sermon series from other pastors for the first five years. At another buddy, we wrote sermon series together. So you study this week, I'll study next week because I didn't have time to live that way and do that. Now I can give more time to creating my own content. But I was, I was, un, I was unafraid to, to go check out what Rick Warren had said and spend four bucks and download that message and preach it and just say, look, I got this from Rick, but watch this. All right, so... And, because I, I was trying to build leaders. I think the best use of my time is pouring into the people that's going to go on the ride with me. Mm-hmm. If you look at Jesus' ministry, he did not focus on his preaching ministry. Most of the times the crowd went away not knowing what he had talked about, the Bible says. And he only brought the disciples off to the side and explained it to them. As you Cajuns say, explain it to them a little bit, right? So that's what, and so I just was, I, that's how I spent my time. So I pastor my leaders. My leaders pastor the dream team. The dream team pastors the church. That's still how I see it to this day. So, did that help you a little bit? That's awesome. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. Yeah. I'm John from Houston, Texas. Oh, John. Uh, what percentage of the people that are completing our growth track are going to engage fully on the team? Do you have, I mean, uh, you're yeah, probably it's in not the upper, It's in the mid, mid to lower 90 percentile of right. the people that get, in, get on the growth track. If they get on the growth track, um, the vast majority of them complete, and they do get it. They, I mean, that's why, that's why you're seeing what, I, what I'm able to say to you about the number of dream teamers we have on our team because we have a clear process. The, the gift I give them is clarity and a doable process. That's what all of us have to come up with. People have spiritual steps. Do they know, what, do they know where they are and know what the next steps are? Nine out of ten in every church don't. So they don't even know what the next step is, and they don't know what the church's process is to help them get to those steps. So if you'll just clarify it and make it as easy as possible, people are wanting to take those steps. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Answer the question too? Uh, Yeah. Just any tips on like the end of the process of helping people engage? uh, So our secret is, is we don't talk people into doing something that they're not gifted to do. So our belief is, is that everything you need in your church, God has already put it in people's hearts. So we don't recruit. We don't say, hey, we need more children's peak work, workers. 
We, don't do, we, just, we, we look for the people. And we know all, all the ones we'll ever need are already in there. God gifted them. God, God is the head of the church. We're his body. All the body parts are there. Every part of your church that's needed is there. And honestly, if they're not there, you're probably not supposed to do it. Like we would not have a dream center if there wasn't Dr. Robert Record. I didn't, I didn't, have, a, I didn't have a vision for that. I have a vision to empower the people that God sends us. But because I had a doctor come through our growth track and said, I went to medical school to be a pastor and to use medicine as a mission, I said, well, then great, we'll do that. But we wouldn't have it. We wouldn't have a prison ministry. That was, I get, people, people rave about the fact that we get to bring Highlands into 16 prisons. That was Randy Walker. We were never going to do that had there not been a person who God had gifted. Because what happens is when it's their idea, they're already naturally motivated to do it. So you want to you stir up the entrepreneurial spirit that's inside of every person that's already in your church and just be the leader of these leaders. And that's the beautiful part of the body of Christ. Does that make sense? And that's the motivation. They go, wow. In fact, here, here's how I say it. It's my favorite line to say to people when I'm encouraging them to get on teams. And that is, don't stop doing what you already love to do. Let me take what you already love to do and help you turn it into ministry. So don't stop what you like to come to what the church wants you to do. And that good people will do that for a while. But let me t- help you take what you're passionate about and turn it into ministry. And that's what we've done. And that's why people are so engaged here. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yes, sir. Hi, Pastor Chris. Hi. Uh, ben, Generation Church down in West Palm Beach, Florida. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, in the first question, you said that you guys grew to about 600 and you stayed there for a little bit and yep. then you blew past that. Um, I'm just curious. What had, you- a lot of, had a lot of flat lines and peaks and flat lines and that happened a lot throughout the... About- so- what would you say was the cause of that bump and what did you do to get over it? And what would you say to someone who's kind of in that same like 600 to 1,000 place bumping against that ceiling? Yeah, usually those that are in the 600 to 1,000 place, these, these processes in, in smaller churches, the good, uh, there's a handful of people that will do it, right? But to do it in a scalable way, you ha- it has to actually become more simple. That's why the greatest, one of the greatest systems in the world is McDonald's. They have an inferior product. I've yet to meet a person who says that's the best hamburger I've ever had in my life. But they're the largest hamburger franchise. Why? Not the burger. It's they figure out, they figure out Happy Meals, playgrounds, drive-throughs, cash, many, I can get you your food in 30s. They, they, they obsessed over a system that delivered the vision. That's what causes something to be scalable and, and reproducible. I'm telling you, it's a real secret. Read the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. He uses the, that McDonald's case study to explain that, the, that what you have won't determine your success. It's, it's can you deliver what you have that will determine your success. And so when, when you're looking for scalability, and then there has to be a, a continual passion for the loss. Churches of a 600 start to enjoy, we know everybody, I've got my seat and so I would not let them forget that we do not exist for us. We exist for the people who are not here yet. And I preach evangelism like a madman. And we have two, three seasons a year in the church calendar where the whole series is around lost people. Get, not all Sundays are the same, but this is the best one. If you're ever going to invite somebody, do it over the next three or four weeks. This is the best chance to get your lost. Your lo- and, and that's what's caused our exponential growth was taking those three seasons and letting the series be around evangelism. And that's where it's happened. Okay. Thank all you. right. Yes, sir. Hey, Pastor Chris. Uh, my name is Tanner Marshburn, and I'm a college student at C3 Church in North Carolina. Wonderful. And I had a question. I'm in a youth practicum, and one of my projects was to create a team to help attract students that were in our church. And so we have an influx of students that come through the service, um, but it's not necessarily reflective of our youth numbers. Okay. And so... I created a team full of uh, youth students to be able to help attract those, but I found a problem that uh, these students aren't necessarily as passionate as I am and are kind of disengaged. So how do you... Passionate about what? Passionate about helping other students coming into the service to be able to um, be connected with the other students in the student ministry. Okay. And so how do you get them passionate about the same thing you're passionate about when they're kind of disengaged and may not necessarily have that drive and how do you cope with it or handle discernment, I'm sorry, handle discouragement for yourself? Yeah. 
So always flip it around. When I was raising up leaders in the first four years, I was, I was sitting in coffee shops for eight hours at a time, rotating people through, and I listened to their passions before I ever shared mine. Now, tell me what you would do if you had all the money in the world, all the talent in the world, and God would bless it. What would you, what would you do for God if? And I just, I, I teased them with, and I wanted to hear what makes them cry, what makes them sing, what makes them, what are they passionate about, where, what, you know, what their holy discontent was. What, what part of society bothers you more than anything else? And again, it's more, uh, Tanner, it's just taking, taking what's already in your hand and turning it into that. And I believe, I truly believe when people are heard and then you, sh- you show how you can connect that to the youth ministry you guys are tr- trying to create, that's where the success is in. But people hate to be played and they hate to be recruited for another, for somebody else's purpose. They want to feel believed in, right? So you got to do a lot of listening. Tell me your heart. And you may find out that there's so much brokenness in their life. They could never help you yet. And you need to put your vision on hold until you get all of them healed. I mean, who knows what you'll hear when you start listening to them. And that's that. And now they say, my God, nobody's cared about me like Tanner does. And now they'll go to the end of the earth, jump off cliffs for you because you served them in that kind of a way. All right. And how you not get discouraged is have people in my life, your life like me, who can tell you stuff like this from time to time. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Pastor. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, Chris, Craig Cackley from Church of the Four Corners in Kansas City. Welcome. Uh, You've alluded to this a few times, but maybe for the sake of clarity, how do you guys here at Church of the Highlands define disciple making? And a follow-up to that, how does that then correlate to your four purposes? Is that the exclusive disciple-making process? Yeah, so disciple-making, let me me explain to you this. I hope hope lights come on when I tell you this. Because to us, disciple-making is, doesn't begin with what we want them to be. It begins with how God has already made them. So if you're discipling somebody in a college setting, let's just think about it. Take it out of church for a second. So really, basically, all school is, is disciple. They're a student, and they're learning. But no, people that go to college, they don't all take the same classes. They pick a major, and they pick a major based usually on their interests and their natural abilities. So if you're good at math, you may be an accounting major. Are you following me so far? But you're not even going there to learn. You're going there to graduate and get a J-O-B. And that drives the whole process. One day, I'm going to be a CPA. That, so it begins with what they're going to do. You are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. So I don't, I don't think of making them memorize the whole Bible. Now, if that happens in the process, praise the Lord. Too much of Christian discipleship has been just learn the Bible more, pray more. That's no, 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 no. Use that to do the J-O-B that God has had for you since time began. So what I want to do is I want to try to discover what God has already created in Christ Jesus for them to do before time began, then back it in and disciple them into that curriculum. So you don't have to take engineering classes if, God, if you have a passion for horticulture. No, man, we just you got to learn plants is all you got to do, right? And so we're, we, we individually train people according to the gift God has for them. But real discipleship making is graduation and J-O-B, baby. You're, you got your, you, you're doing what God called you to do. And, and, and I, think what's, I think intellectualism has hijacked discipleship. So take all that out of it. Use, use curriculums and information and training to get to the end that God has something for us to do. Ephesians 2.10, we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do, which means that God had the thing for you to do first and then he created you. So, so even how you're made will point to what you're supposed to do. Your design reveals your destiny. And that's why I ask a bunch of questions. That's why I told Tammy that, tell me what you're passionate about. Tell me what you want to do. Tell me what you see. Tell me. So, so see yourself ministering to somebody. This is one of my favorite ways to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm modeling it for you right now. See yourself ministering to somebody right now. I mean, in your, in your mind's eye, see yourself ministering to somebody. You got it? You got it? Okay, was it a crowd or was it a person? It's a person. Okay. Were they saved or unsaved? Unsaved. See what I'm saying? So we've already narrowed down half of ministry. He's off the stage. He's in the city, not even in the church. Y'all tracking with me? I'm getting down to the passions of his life, 
Are they poor or rich? Are they in your city or outside of your city? Are they American or are they foreign? I mean, I just keep asking questions, and now I'm going to disciple you into, oh, you're a missionary to China. Let's go, baby. God's got something for you to do, and I'm going to help you get there. Did y'all catch that, everyone? That's, that's how I define discipleship making. Thank you. All right. Yes, sir. Um, yes. Uh, my name is David. I'm from Cocoa Beach East Coast Christian Center. Good to see you, David. Um, awesome to be here. I'm a campus pastor. And my question is, what do we do when the senior pastor has implemented the new systems, whether it's like growth or connect class, whatever it is, we're all on board. We're super excited. And we get back and different members of the dream team, good people who serve, pin in one corner the system and the other corner the Holy Spirit. As if now we are implementing these new systems, we're not hearing from God. We've put in church in a box. We're doing all this stuff. And you're like, how did we get here? You know, like, yeah. So preach it. Preach the systems, just like I just did. I thought you were telling me to preach it right now. No, I'm... <laughs> no pressure. I'll take that too. But listen to me. The difference is you can't just create the classes in the one, two, threes. He just asked me a discipleship question. I gave him a systems answer, but it got very passionate. And it had scripture in it. So I call it preaching the announcements. And so you can't, they're almost right. The systems themselves can't do it. So, but we don't have three series a year around lost people. And that's, so that's the system. That's, I just told you the system. We have three series a year around just around reaching lost people. There's no passion in that, but I can, I can preach to you. I can get like five minutes right now and tell you how, how, how my autistic son, the youngest of my five got lost for, for, for 40 minutes in a town where they had abducted children before and how I didn't care about anybody else because somebody who, who, was, who I loved deeply was missing. Didn't care about my found kids anymore. Didn't really, didn't really care what they wanted to do anymore at that moment. I just needed Joseph. Hmm. See what I'm saying? And I can turn that, and this is why this coming Sunday, I want you to invite your friends because people are really good to heaven or hell and it matters. And God's not looking at us as much as you think he is. In Luke 15, he gave three parables where he'd leave all his found things to go find one lost thing. He's distracted by that which is lost. And if you're going to love God, the best way to love him is to love the people he loves. And God so loves the world. Well, I just turned the system now into some passion, baby. So that's how we do it. We t- stay with the system. You're, you're only going to accomplish something, you know. You have, if you're going to have the river, you've got to have banks to have a river. The Holy Spirit people, some of them want the river without banks, and that's a flood. That's a mess. It, does, it, it causes destruction. We need both. We need the river and the banks. So just tell them to it. Just explain it to them. And by the way, lead. People love to be led. When, you, when they don't see leadership, they'll start leading. Okay. All right? So just be, be – uh, I just tell them, I am not unclear about this. Amen. And they like – they'll line up. They, they just need some vision, baby. They just need some vision, all right? Yes, sir. Uh, my name's Reed from Horizon Church in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin. Welcome. And thank you. And I'm a young pastor, and so pretty much everyone that I lead is older than me. And it's really easy to uh, empower those who are pretty much your age. Yep. So what would you say is the most effective way to empower those who are older than you? I would get some, I would get some stud older people leaders like in my inner circle. So that's what I would do. So as a young pastor, I'd make sure in my leadership teams and some of those closest to me and say, look, I need your help. And they will, they will bring credibility to you by their own example of their loyalty and all that. So, so like you really need to like pick two or three. There's in, every, in, every, in, in every relational environment, there's a few people that everybody listens to. So go get them. <laughs> Win them. Get them, on, get them in your inner circle. Go to as many lunches as you can with them. You know, and, and, and the rest of the people will see that and follow, they'll follow right in line. That's, that's really, that's a, it's just a great way to build a leadership team. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. We can probably take maybe one or two more questions because I'm going to end exactly at 245. Yes, ma'am. Hi, I'm Miranda from um, Richmond, Virginia. My question is when somebody comes to your church, whether it's someone unsaved or an older saint, what is the process or standard of holiness or accountability before they can lead a ministry, sing in the choir, be on the praise team? What is that standard for your church? So you can never really define the how, how mature you are to qualify you for something because you, 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 you'll, you'll be miserable the rest of your life if you ever try to find a, a line. What you're looking for is a heart, right? 
because all of us, I have some stuff I'm still working on that I keep messing up in. And thank God I get to keep leading while I'm working on that. What allows me to keep leading and working on that is I have given it to God. I am, I am confessing it as sin and I'm letting God work on me. The only people we do not let lead because their maturity will not allow them are the ones who refuse to call it sin and won't let God work on them. Okay. So when the, when the people say, well, this isn't sin, when then you just disqualified yourself from leadership, I don't mind you having a problem. I have a, I have a problem with you not confessing that as sin and, and putting it before the Lord and letting God work on you. All right. So you'll draw, you'll be, you'll, 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 you'll create a tree of the knowledge of good and evil society. If you try to create a bunch of moral standards that fit for you, but not for everybody else. Don't ever go there. What you want is a heart of people who say, who recognize the Bible as the standard and they are putting their whole life before the Lord. So people ask me from time, can somebody struggle with, and they'll name something and be on your team. And I always say, I hope so. Because if they can't, I can't either. Because I still have impatience issues. I, I can be one of those angry people you ever met in your life. You don't want to see me drive, right? <laughs> but then I confess my sin. I say, Lord, change my heart. I recognize you don't want this in my life. That's the, the difference between me and them is not my holiness, it's my heart. Right. All right. Does that make sense? Yes. So do okay. you guys have like a like leadership church, honor code that steers week. him in the right direction? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Thank we, ha- and then we have a relationship because, because anybody could still lie to you and say, this is not in my life. They right. can't, whenever the, there's the discerning of spirits going on the inside and I'm getting close to a person and we see that. I want to see their heart in that. Does that make sense? Yes. All right, you got it. All right, Father, thank you for these leaders, everything you're doing in their lives and their churches. Help us to process all of this the best way possible so you can fulfill what you put in our lives and in our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, go to another app, everybody. God bless you.